This is Winning with ADHD, a podcast for parents to empower students. Build up your ADHD teens so that they recognize their own talents, creativity, and uniqueness. Get tips and tricks to help overcome executive functioning challenges. Listen to stories and experiences of what worked and what did not. Together, let's find ways to build your child's self-esteem and start winning with ADHD. And now, here's your host, Heather Walker. Hey there, I'm Heather Walker. Today, I'd like to talk about getting a diagnosis of ADHD and or anxiety or depression, any of those types of um, diagnoses. So as a parent, I first of all want to let you know that it is totally okay that you take time to process. Um, Emily got diagnosed as clinically depressed at the age of three. And at the time I thought, how can a three-year-old be depressed? Like this guy seems crazy. I just didn't even know how to respond to it. It took me probably a lot longer than I'm willing to admit to accept that as um, a real diagnosis, but I just was really struggling with it. Um, I join a lot of Facebook groups and listen to a lot of other parents um, when they find out that their kid has ADHD and that they feel so bad for them or that they really struggle with maybe medication or um, they struggle with um, other things surrounding it of like the stigma of having this diagnosis. And so I guess the first thing that I want to say is you have all of the permission to feel all the feelings and to have a moment to process that. I think that if we don't take that minute to process it, it's not going to allow us to show up as our best self, as their parent, to allow them to then be their best selves. Because if we are maybe in denial of it, like I was, I was totally one of those parents at the beginning, then um, it's going to be harder for us to make sure that they have resources available to them for them to be successful. So let's talk a little bit about success as well. I think a lot of times we have a very specific um, boxed in viewpoint of what success looks like. And so one of the biggest things that I've learned um, as being a parent is that defining success as in the bare minimum um, of what that looks like. And so we tell our kids all the time, we want you to be successful. And we also tell them what that means from our definition. And that's that they're happy and that they're healthy, both physically and mentally, um, and that they're able to provide for themselves um, in whatever lifestyle that that looks like. So um, our oldest daughter in particular talks a lot about having a storage crate home, which I absolutely love because she is not a materialistic person and she has a very specific goal in mind of that she doesn't want to have a large burden financially on her. And what's more important to her is that she gets to do things that are extremely interesting to her. And so when we look at that and we think about success, um, knowing that that comes in all different ways, but that ultimately we need to help foster the um, positive, I guess you could say, thoughts to help counteract the negative thoughts. Those with ADHD and anxiety and depression, and I'm sure there's a few others in there, um, really struggle with having positive thoughts and about themselves and how they showed up in situations. So for example, somebody with anxiety 
which would include myself and two of my children, um, potentially three, um, if I'm being honest, um, will take certain situations and we will run that situation over and over and over and over in our mind and beat ourselves up over, I should have said this, or I shouldn't have said anything at all. Or the way I said that, I don't think came across the way that I intended it. Um, those who have ADHD are also um, beating themselves up over the fact that they knew they were supposed to put away the laundry, or they knew they should have done that assignment, or they knew that you were supposed to th put their shoes away when they came in the door and they didn't do it for most likely reasons of the fact that they have ADHD. And so when we think about those things um, and we know that they already have so many negative thoughts, um, I think it's important to note that by helping them be successful is then helping to create an environment of success. And so what does that look like? That means First thing is making sure that you as a parent have the proper resources to help you. So there's a number of different places that you can go. You can, first of all, you can Google and you can say parenting an ADHD child or someone with anxiety or depression. You could Google, you know, what are the typical symptoms of this and start to familiarize yourself with what are the typical traits of somebody who has ADHD. Um, you can find a um, friend of, you know, who has ADHD or somebody who is parenting an ADHD child. And by creating that network or support system of other people who are going through something similar or somebody who can give you some insight as to what it's like to have ADHD can be really valuable to you. It'll allow you to be able to have some empathy for your child as they have certain situations that might be really hard for them that maybe isn't hard for you at all. And so being able to have a better understanding of what does a day in the life of someone with ADHD look like? Another thing that you can do for resources is working with your schools. Um, all public schools are required to provide special ed services for those that are in need of it. There are two main um, accommodation type of setups within a school. The first one is a 504 and the second one is an IEP. 504 is named after the law. Um, I think it's the law that allows for certain accommodations. It is um, a, uh, what would be the right word? It um, allows for certain accommodations. An IEP is an individualized education plan that has a lot more um, power behind it, I guess you could say. So depending on your situation, we'll determine whether or not um, or which one of those might be best for you or your child or your family or your setup, et cetera. Um, for us personally, we've had a 504 for Emily, and she currently has an IEP. Um, both of them have been beneficial for her at different times. And so typical types of accommodations that are included in that for someone who has ADHD is that they have more time to take tests because they tend to maybe go a little bit slower or get distracted more. So they have to read the sentence multiple times to be able to determine how to answer the question. Um, there may be additional learning disabilities that come along with it. Sometimes there might be um, a comprehension disability or a math learning disability um, or things like that. Sometimes there can be speech delay. 
So every situation is a little bit different, um, but some of the other things that are typical for an ADHD um, 504 IEP would be um, additional time to turn and work. Um, maybe they um, have to have the teacher sign off on their uh, planner or something like that. Um, they might be able to have a distraction-free zone. So maybe when they do standardized testing, they go to another room that's more quiet. Um, maybe they have more time for standardized testing. Um, maybe they get a reduced amount of workload. So for example, if you had a worksheet with math problems on it that had 20 math problems on it, maybe they do just the odds or the evens, something like that. Um, so those are some of the typical types of accommodations that can come with a 504 or an IEP. Again, you can work with your school to determine what that looks like. When Emily was um, got her IEP, she went through and she did testing through the school. And that testing was what determined where she had deficiencies in her ability to show up in the classroom and therefore defined what those accommodations might look like. Um, Talking to your special education teacher um, is a really great way to get more resources and information and ask them questions. Um, one last thing is, is that an individualized education plan is required for the school system to follow. So making sure that um, it's something that is manageable and doable, both for both your child and for the teacher. So when you work with that education group, because it's like a little, um, I think we usually have a general education teacher there, a special education teacher there, um, a parent is there, the student is there, and they determine what would be best to help make them successful or allow for them to be successful in that environment. Um, some of the other things Emily has had in the past is being able to um, be at the front of the classroom, but maybe off to the side that allowed her to be able to stand up and sit down as she needed um, so that she wasn't confined to her chair, but also up towards the front. Um, another thing for resources that are really helpful is finding a really good group of doctors, whether that be um, a therapist or psychologist or even a psychiatrist, depending on what route you tend to go. Um, one of the things that we have done, um, it took us quite a while to find a good group of doctors that we worked really well with and that um, we felt like we could be ourselves, but also were really helpful to us. So when Emily was younger, we it was actually draining and completely exhausting, but we went from doctor to doctor, to therapist, to psychologist, to all of these different people. And then we would find one that we liked and then they would be retiring or they moved to a different practice or um, no longer took our insurance or things like that. And so it was it felt kind of defeating um, for a couple of years there. But when you find the right group of doctors to help you, regardless of your choice about medication, I know that is a sensitive topic. There are lots of people that are for it. There are lots of people that are against it. There's definitely a huge amount of stigma around that. Um, but you do need a support system because they do understand how their brain works and what are some really good ways to um, come up with um, successful 
uh, routines, habits, scenarios, for example. So um, as we've met with these different doctors, I've been able to like pull from each of these different um, doctor's appointments, like how can we be successful? And so on a over and over and over basis, it's been, we need to create an environment that creates success, right? So for example, one of the things that Emily would really struggle with is that she would come home from school and she would completely melt down from a very young age. And I was just like, I don't know what to do with you. You've been gone all day and now you are just completely losing it. And so one of the best pieces of advice that I got for, from one of those doctors was, you need to allow her some time to be able to decompress that being at school all day, she is working so hard to hold it in and just show up the way that they're asking her to show up that when she gets home, she needs a safe space. And because it is a safe space, that's why she's melting down. And so creating this routine that allows her this opportunity to decompress, knowing that she's in a safe space and helping to kind of like moderate, I guess you could say that meltdown um, has been really helpful to us as a family. And so having that support system, being able to say, but I don't know what to do when this happens has been an incredible resource to me as a parent to be able to help our family be successful. So in our last podcast, I talked about that from holidays and traveling of that success means that our entire family is successful and that when one person in our family is hurting or struggling, our entire family feels it. And so um, when you're talking to these doctors and these teachers and these resources, um, I guess don't hesitate to share what's happening. Say, this is what's happening at home. Here's what I'm seeing. Um, and allowing them to offer that outsider's viewpoint. Um, I think it took me a while personally to be able to step back and say, well, this isn't how I pictured it would be. You're going to judge me because this is like, completely crazy at times. And how did I get here? Um, but really, when you can be completely honest about how you feel about it, how they're showing up, allow your kid to share how they're showing up, um, or how they're feeling can be really um, helpful in being able to find um, solutions to the specific problems that um, you're experiencing as a family. And so back to that example of coming home. So it was suggested to us that when I picked up Emily from school, that we had her headphones in the car, that we had a snack um, in the car, maybe a drink, um, maybe a lifesaver or something with protein. She likes peanut butter and crackers. So we could have that. Maybe we could play calming music if there was music that she wanted in particular, having a fidget toy, something that she could do something with her hands and then allowing her at home to have that quiet time. So being able to go to her room and kind of be quiet and veg out, um, that's what she liked to do. But it could be that they have time to watch TV. Maybe that's how, you know, your kid wants to kind of quiet down from the day and be able to unwind from it. Um, I think this is actually pretty normal for adults that don't have ADHD. How often do we get home from somewhere and we sit in the car for a few minutes or we um, sit in the bathroom a little bit longer or we go to the closet and eat an ice cream? Like <laughs> um, these may or may not be things that I have done, but, um, but 
in all reality, we all do these types of things where we need a moment to be able to handle what has happened to us that day, because a day at work can be really hard. Or if you are a day at home with young kids um, can be really hard. And so having that time for ourselves is really important to us as adults. And I think a lot of times, um, we as adults might forget that our kids need that too, that having all of those kids around them all day might be hard, just like having all of our coworkers around us. And so those were some example or some things that our doctors recommended to us to help us and how they were a great resource. So after you found out this diagnosis, finding these support systems, which are friends and teachers and administrators within our schools and doctors um, are great ways to be able to, oh, I forgot one. And just being able to Google, join some Facebook groups, see what other parents are saying, see what kind of struggles they're having. It can be really validating to know that we're not the only ones that are feeling these things or going through these situations. Some of the groups that I've joined though are, um, sometimes can have kind of a negative vibe to them. So maybe kind of pick and choose which ones you want to join. Um, I personally like to look at ones where um, we're trying to find a solution with it. But at the same time, I have a total respect for somebody just needing an outlet of being able to say, this is how I feel and this is hard because it is hard. Um, the next thing is, is that learning that just because your child has ADHD, um, that it'll be okay is really what I want to share. It will be okay. Um, I think the next thing that I would um, recommend after working through those different things is taking a look at what's going well in your home and where are things falling apart. And I think that this is actually a really good practice to have often, um, just kind of looking at it, reevaluating. Um, a great example, I think that many of us have been through is a chore chart or a sticker chart, right? We try it, it starts out really well, and then it stops working and we feel defeated, like, and we try another time and then it fails or it starts out really good. And then it kind of tapers off. And, um, I think that sometimes we think that that means that, we're never going to find something that works. I actually would like to argue that it's just a trial and error process. Um, Emily is 17. And over those last 17 years, we have found many things that we started that failed completely. Other things we started and they kind of worked, but fizzled out. And then as we've tried multiple things, we've kind of created like a hybrid of all the little pieces of all the different things that we've tried that are really kind of starting to stick. So I guess my next piece um, of advice for you as somebody who is new to this is that don't let um, failures defeat you. Use it and look at it as trial and error and that you're looking to find the best pieces of each of these different ideas to ultimately create the best form of success. Um, the next thing that I would say is to offer yourself some patience and grace. This is hard. Parenting in general is hard. And being able to help create an environment of success 
is hard to do because we all have all of these external things happening. We have things happening in our mind with our thoughts. We have all of these different inputs. And so that's both you as a parent, but also your kid. And so sometimes it can be hard to find that right balance. Sometimes maybe you'll respond because you're feeling stressed and you feel bad about how you showed up. And maybe your kid does the exact same thing. So offering patience and grace for yourself and for your your family, I think is really important. When you do that and you're willing to admit that I didn't show up as my best self, it allows them the opportunity to also say, you know what, I didn't show up as my best self either. And as we have those open conversations, we're able to start identifying at what times and places or in situations or environments where we show up as our best self, what are our trigger points? What are things that we want to try to um, prevent from happening? So for example, if I go back to the story of Emily coming home from school and completely melting down, and I wanted to prevent that from happening again. And so we, we took the advice of our doctor, but also we worked on, well, what does this look like? What happens if we have a scenario where we're not able to allow for that downtime, for example, how can we be successful in that situation? And so, um, as you have those conversations with your kid and you, or by observing them, you can create these environments that create a very healthy amount of success that happens rather than just kind of repeating it over and over again, where they then continue to beat themselves up. So I think one of the other things that I think is really important here that I have learned, but also am constantly working on to make sure that I'm doing is to um, reduce my frustration around the symptoms of ADHD. So a couple of weeks ago, um, Emily had not done something. I actually don't even remember what it was anymore, but I was frustrated. And um, she came in and she was talking to me and I was still like, mentally, like just so agitated by it. And I said, you know what, Emily, I said, I'm frustrated. So the first thing I did was I told her how I felt. And I said, and I know that this happened because you have ADHD. I said, but it's still really hard for me. And so I think that that is important of that. I shared how I felt but at the same time acknowledged and was aware that it was because of her ADHD that this had happened. And I think at that point, it's then remembering that. And um, so while I'm not saying that every situation should look like that, but look like that, but what I am saying is, is that when you are frustrated, I think it's important to share that in a, um, in a calm way of, I'm feeling frustrated. This is difficult for me. And by doing that, it it um, gives them the example for them to then be able to share their emotion and how they feel in certain situations. And so here's an example. Let's say that Emily, I had asked Emily to put away her clothes an hour or two ago and it hadn't happened. This conversation could go one of two ways when I've recognized that her laundry is still sitting there. I could say, I asked you to put away your laundry and it's still sitting there again. You never put away your laundry. 
I could be agitated. I could be frustrated. I could still be aware that it's because of ADHD, but the tone in which that I went about this was really not great for either of us because it just allows me to continue to be agitated. I'm not offering her any grace whatsoever, and I'm definitely not showing any type of patience. But what I could stay and say instead is, hey, it looks like you've got a few minutes. Would you mind putting your laundry away for me now? And most often when I do that, she says, yeah, let me get to that. Or if she's really busy doing something, I should be aware of that. So again, this ADHD awareness is really important at this point because if she's really engrossed in something, it's going to create an argument. It's going to create some negative energy. It's going to create you know, some friction or maybe some butting of heads. And so being able to pick and choose the best times. And so I think that's my last piece of um, advice of looking at, you know, having just found out that your child has ADHD and working, learning to um, be able to create an environment of success is that sometimes we need to let some things go. And so I'm actually going to use an example that has nothing to do with ADHD, but rather um, when I started working more. So when we first had kids, I um, stayed at home for a little while, not very long because I, that's just not what was meant for me, but I had went back to work part-time. And as time had gone on, I had started working more hours and picking up more hours. And we got to the point where we were no longer in balance, or we were misaligned in expectations within our own household. And so I, my husband and I had our own little arguments about it, but what we ended up doing is we ended up dividing up some of the household responsibilities. My husband absolutely hates folding laundry. I don't hate it. It's not my favorite. Like, does anybody have any chores that are absolutely their favorite? Maybe I'm not one of them. He really doesn't mind doing dishes and I hate doing dishes. And so what we decided was, is that he was responsible for dishes and I would be responsible for laundry. But what I had to do in that situation is I had to be willing to let go of the fact that the way he did the dishes and the way that he loaded the dishwasher doesn't look anything like the way that I would do it. And so being able to let go of certain things. So for example, letting go of them not doing things right after school and maybe that they do them an hour later, or maybe being able to let go of the fact that um, their, their drawers with their laundry in it isn't going to be perfectly neat, but rather that it's going to be in a bin in their closet. So those are some examples of letting go of some things that maybe are important to you, but maybe are after you kind of step back and look at them, it really doesn't matter that the dishwasher is loaded differently than how I would do it, right? And so again, continuing to offer grace for everybody and empathy um, has been one of the biggest lessons that I've learned as a parent and ultimately the most rewarding because I've been able to create environments and opportunities for success and really build up relationships over this time as I've learned over the years that um, maybe there's just a different way of looking at it. Maybe we can be successful and we can accomplish what we're all wanting to accomplish or what I'm wanting to accomplish, but maybe it just looks a little bit different. And I think in general, that's what the diagnosis of ADHD or of anything really 
is that it's just going to look different than what we had pictured in our head. And that by allowing ourselves to remove that picture and say that it is going to look different, but reminding ourselves of what are the most important things in that picture that we really want to hold tight to. So if I think of the picture that I've created of what did I want my kids' lives to look like, and I step back and I say, well, what are my key takeaways about what that looks like? And I would say that I want them to be happy and I want them to be healthy and I want them to feel successful in um, how they show up and I want them to um, have wins, right? And if we think about those things, I don't think that the way the dishwasher dishwasher was loaded or the fact that the laundry didn't get put away exactly when I wanted it to don't really fit into that. And that ultimately, in order to accomplish those things, um, even thinking further along of them coming back and spending time with us after they've moved out, that I want them to be here and I want that. I want them to want to be here, right? And that I want us to have these really good memories. And so when I remember those things as being the most important for me, that's what helps me determine what my non-negotiables are or what is most important or maybe what fight I'm willing to pick that day based off of what is that end goal. So take a deep breath. If you are this parent who has just received this diagnosis or maybe really struggling with a diagnosis that you've had for a little while, I hope that you'll reach out to me. I would love to be a support system to you. I am just another mom that has um, been just trying to figure this out myself and wanting to share ways that we've been successful. So I hope that you guys find lots of ways to win with ADHD. Winning with ADHD is brought to you by Disrupt ADHD. Head on to disruptadhd.com slash learn more.